Welcome to the Profit Cast. I'm the coach, Levi Landrigan. And I'm the player, Luke McCark. And we're here to bring you our unique perspective on local, college, and pro sports. So join us as we dive into the headlines and stories that you need to know. Well, after the most incredible weekend that the sport of football has ever seen, we figured that we probably ought to get you guys a special reaction podcast from us here at the Profit Cast. We know what our listeners want, so here comes a little bit of NFL recap and reaction from really a phenomenal weekend. Yeah, so we'll go in order of when they happen, starting with Bengals-Titans. This game was crazy. I could not believe what I was seeing. Joe Burrow just kept getting sacked and kept getting sacked. He got sacked nine times. Three of them were Jeffrey Simmons just demolishing that offensive line. But Tannehill didn't do the Titans any favors. He threw three picks, including one that put the Bengals right on the outskirts of field goal range to kick that game winner. Yeah, so the Bengals kicked the game winner. They they ended up beating the Tennessee Titans 19 to 16. A really low scoring game. And if you if you looked at this game beforehand and you say, okay, well-rested Titans got their best player back, low scoring game, and Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times, throws zero touchdowns and one interception. If I would have just told you all of those stats, there's no way you would have thought that the Bengals won this game. But they did. And uh they they had one rushing touchdown, but their kicker, he ended up getting the game ball after this. They called him MVP of this game for going four for four and kicking that game winner. He had no doubt in himself at any point in time. Including two or maybe three of them over 50 yards. Yeah, the game winner was a 52-yarder with with just three seconds left in the game. So really incredible performance by that rookie. Um, Evan, what's McPherson. his? Evan McPherson. McPherson. So rookie out of Florida really special kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals and he gave the Cincinnati Bengals get this their first ever road playoff win in franchise history that's remarkable yeah this uh another thing i can't believe when i watched this game derrick henry had no running room the whole game his longest run was 12 was 9 yards excuse me and he averaged about three yards a carry. They gave him the rock 20 times, and the commentators just kept talking about him, kept talking about him, and he never got going. He only had 62 yards. So they, Tannehill had to air it out. He got it to A.J. Brown. He had a really nice game, including a nice one-handed catch. But they made Tannehill throw it, and he ended up throwing three picks. Yeah, the Bengals really just loaded up the box. They got their big uglies up front to shut down the run game, and they said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it with Tannehill. I I think that's a really good game plan that the Bengals had going into the game, and it turned out to be the right one because they really did. Tennessee couldn't quite get their run game going and had to rely on Tannehill, who, yes, made made more mistakes than throws. However, he had a pretty pretty special touchdown pass, just a really pretty ball. Uh, that he threw to was that Julio Jones that caught that one AJ Brown AJ Brown sorry um yeah so just really really special play by but 
in the end, not quite enough to win this game. So the number one seed in the AFC fell to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting matchup in the AFC championship game. It could be tough for Cincinnati because they won this game by loading the box and saying, Tannehill beat us with your arm. Patrick Mahomes will beat you with his arm. Yeah. So they're going to have to take an opposite strategy. They'll have to put all their D-backs out there and say, we are going to guard the pass, beat us with your run game. Yes, if they have the ability to shut down Kansas City's passing game, I would be I would be pretty impressed um, by that. Because even a spectacular offense like Cincinnati's, they're not going to be able to just win a shootout with Kansas City because Kansas City just has too many weapons. Yeah. All right, so moving from the AFC, let's talk about the number one seed in the NFC. How did the Green Bay Packers do, Luke? So they weren't the only first seed to fall today. They lost 13-10 to to the San Francisco 49ers. And it was really like watching a Nebraska football game if you're a Packers fan. They led in almost all the categories except special teams. Mm. And they marched right down the field, wide open pass um, to A.J. Dillon, I believe or Aaron Jones, excuse me, Um, and they had an easy field goal with three seconds left, and it got blocked, and, you know, they that really hurt them, and that would have tied that game and would have sent it into overtime at the end instead of what it was, a three-point victory for San Francisco. Yeah, the Niners won this game 13-10, to and, yeah, somehow found a way to do it because the better quarterback play was on the side of the Packers, but that special teams, I tell you what, and it was a cold, cold, cold day up in Lambeau field. And then at the end of the game, so the San Francisco 49ers kicked their game winner, 45 yard field goal. And that snow was blowing sideways. It was just insane that he was able to make that kick. And it was just straight. It would have, it would have been good for 60. It looks like that's what off his foot. I was like, dang, that's good from 60. And then it's just the snows pounding it and pounding and pounding. And at the end, it wasn't it wasn't that far above the upright, but it was enough. Yeah. And, and that's just it with the 49ers. It, it might not have been pretty, but it was enough to, to take down the Packers. Luke, neither Luke nor I thought they had much of a chance in this game. But they proved both of us wrong. Uh, They did enough little things right to take advantage of the Packers and and win this game. And I said that I didn't think they could win it if the Packers were able to stop Debo Samuel, and they did. They gave Samuel the ball uh, 14 times, 10 on the ground, four through the air, and he only had about 80 scrimmage yards. But And Jimmy G had one of those classic Jimmy G interceptions where he's – He's out decision. of the po- out of the pocket, and he's like, "Throw it away! Don't throw that football! Don't throw it!" And you know what he's gonna do? He throws it. It's intercepted, uh, and that ultimately cost them another field goal, maybe even a touchdown. Um, but it turned out they didn't even need their offense. All they needed was 13 po- points to beat the Packers, and that's what they got. And when it did count, they gave it to Debo Samuel three times on the ground and he got the first down for them, got them into field goal range 
for the game-winning field goal. So they give it to a receiver three times in a row, but it doesn't matter. Hobbles off the field. Yep. Nobody was going to help that man. And we it's we talked about it a little bit last week with with Samuel. You just get the ball in the hands of your best athlete, and he's going to make things happen. Well, let's take a quick break from football and talk a little bit Central City Bison basketball. How are they doing, Luke? Well, I said that if the Buccaneers won yesterday I or on Sunday, I would show up wearing all my Buccaneers gear, my Gronk socks, my Buccaneers shirt, and they lost, and I was devastated. But I today I wore my Central City Bison shirt because they picked up a key win over 13-2 Wood River on Friday. The Bison are were on are still teetering on the edge of being able to make district finals. They're sitting at 16th in wild card points right now. Uh, obviously, 12 district winners get in, and then the top four wild card teams get in from there to fill out your district finals of 16 teams. Sub-state tournament, yep. And uh, uh, the winners of all those games go to state. So they're still teetering on that edge. Obviously, when you're in at districts, they have to beat either St. Paul and or Centura. But focusing back on this game, Woodrow is a really good basketball team. It was their last big challenge in their regular season schedule before, obviously, conference tournament and such. Uh, It was at Wood River, and the Bison just kind of came in and – Dominated the tempo at one point. They got four steals in a row off of a press, three of them by Ashton Gregg. Just getting steals, easy layup, steal, easy layup. And they broke their will and just continued to keep their foot on the gas pedal and won that game and advanced to 11-5. and five. So they got three more sub-500 teams ahead of them to close out the regular season. Another thing that makes that victory by the Bison special is the fact that Wood River has a new head coach this year. Connor Baronic is off to, like Luke said, a great start. They're 13-2, and two, or at least they were before they ran into the Bison. And as I was talking to Luke about this right before the last segment, he said, well, who's Connor Baronic? Which... That's a really good question, and that uh, Connor Baronic was a really, really special player for the Ravana Blue Jays. Um, he has an older brother named Drake, two older brothers, um, and both of his older brothers are state champions in basketball, and his dad was a head coach at Ravana who coached them to multiple state championships. But Connor, he really kind of got his claim to fame because he had been student manager on a lot of really good basketball teams. He had some really good friends that also loved basketball. And when he was a freshman, they were in the state championship game and they were down by quite a bit. He comes in off the bench and starts hitting three pointers from the logo. I mean, deep, deep, deep three pointers. And this was still when Steph Curry was relatively unknown. So the fact that he was a freshman coming off the bench and still brave enough to to put those shots up and then confident enough to hit them and keep hitting them was really 
pretty special. They ended up winning the state championship game his freshman year. And by the time he graduated, he was a three-time state champion. He then went on to play for the University of Nebraska at Kearney and uh, ended with quite a few scoring records for them as well. So that's who Connor Baronic is. All that to say, comes and his older brother is the head coach of the Kearney High Bearcats and has had a pretty good run there as well. So all that to say, he is pretty much basketball royalty in Nebraska. And so a win over a team that he's coaching means even more. All right, well, getting back into football, uh, the next game that we were all able to enjoy was the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game was in Tampa Bay. These two teams had played earlier in the year, and the Rams won, but that was at home in Los Angeles. This game was in Tampa Bay, where the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl last year. Again, they're the defending champs. They had everybody coming back. But much... Everybody was back on their defense. It was the first game everybody had played together um, at the same time since the beginning of the season. And this time, instead of the defense getting hurt, it was the offense, including all-pro right tackle Tristan Wirfs and obviously Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and four other receivers that were out by the end of the game. Yeah, and Tom Brady... Great quarterback, many say the greatest quarterback, does better when he's comfortable. And to make Tom Brady uncomfortable, you have to get pressure on him, and they did. And to make Tom Brady uncomfortable, you have to take away some of his favorite targets. So the absence of Wirfs and Chris Godwin definitely affected Tom Brady. However, however, the Rams were up 17 points at halftime. And later in the game, they were up, was it 27 to 3? They were up 27 to 3. So a 24 point advantage. And even though he's uncomfortable, even though old man Tom Brady had been getting hit all day and he didn't have some of his favorite receivers, he has such an incredible never quit attitude that he engineered probably the second greatest comeback of his career after that Super Bowl win over the Falcons, where they came all the way back. And tied it up with less than a minute to play, right? They went on a 24, not, oh, 24-3 run. And that 24-3 was what cost them the game. Todd Bowles makes a very not advisable call after Cooper Cup gets a 20-yard completion. He decides to blitz the slot corner, leaving Antoine Winfield one-on-one against Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, of course, blows right by the slower Antoine Winfield, streaks wide open to put them in comfortable field goal range, where former Buccaneer kicker Matt Gay can put it through the uprights. We really had some just phenomenal quarterback play throughout the entire weekend, but this game was really, really special. Like I said, Tom Brady had all the cards stacked against him down so much, and he came back and just never, never, never quit. And the thing about Tom Brady is he is an excellent quarterback, but one of his best attributes is that never quit attitude. And I tell you what, that's contagious because they didn't just get back into this game because of Tom Brady. The defense came up with some really big plays, some pretty key turnovers for the Rams. 
And then on the flip side of that coin, the Rams kept turning the ball over. They made plenty of mistakes of their own. But in the face of all that adversity, when Tom Brady came back from 24 points down, Matthew Stafford didn't care. He comes back on the final drive. He gets sacked, doesn't care, gets up, bombs it to Cooper Cup, gets his entire team to sprint down. I almost thought they were going to run out of time. They get all the way up, all the way up. They clock the ball, kick the game winner. It's over. Rams beat the Bucks 30 to 27. Yeah. And I'm going to be very interested to see in this NFC championship game who will be the main running back for Los Angeles because Cam Akers didn't look too bad. I mean, he got 48 yards on 24 carries, which isn't that what isn't that great. But then he fumbled it twice, including oh, once on the goal line and once in a situation that put the Buccaneers in a position to tie it. So it was – he almost gave the game away for them pretty much alone. And what ultimately made this really hard for the Buccaneers was not having Tristan Wirfs because their left tackle, Donovan Smith, is normally the weakest link in that offensive line. uh, So they're able to help on him, you know, chip him with a running back, tight end, whatever on your way out. But instead they had to rely on him to go one-on-one versus Don or versus Von Miller, excuse me, um, which he's not going to win that matchup because they had to help uh, Josh Wells, their backup right tackle on Aaron Donald. So that made it, incredibly hard for them to get any sort of clean pocket for Brady. Also, they had to leave in their tight ends, who were their greatest weapons with all the injuries. You know, you got Gronkowski, Brate, Howard. Those are who you want to give the ball to, but you can't give the ball to them if they're in pass protect. Mm -hmm. A lot of people scratched their heads earlier in the year when the Rams gave gave up a lot of draft capital to bring Von Miller on board. But looking and watching this game, it seems like this is why they did it. If you want to get past Tom Brady, you have to, like I said, make him uncomfortable. And when you have an incredible player like Aaron Darnold and you have you add Von Miller to the mix, that is just too much. Even if – obviously, Werfs would have helped a lot. But even with him there, those two guys getting so much pressure on Tom Brady, just um, getting to him, hitting him, making him fumble a couple of times um, and – just really disrupting it. That's that's always been um, ever since the Giants figured it out in the Super Bowl. The key to beating Tom Brady is by getting constant pressure on him and not allowing him to get back and just sit there and read and make the plays that you need to. So that is how that game ended, much to the many tears of, of one of your co-hosts. Um, Quite literally. But I picked the Rams, so I was all right with it. All right, well, we're going to close this podcast with arguably the best football game of the year. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. This was a much closer game than you thought it was going to be, wasn't it, Luke? Yes, I thought the Bills or the Bills would not stand a chance against the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were going to run them over. I was sorely mistaken. I had much littler faith in Josh Allen than what was appropriate. Yeah, this game was tied 14-14 at half. And then watching the first little bit of the second half, I, I 
looked over at my wife and I said, it's going to be whoever has the ball last will win this game. And it went back and forth, back and forth. And then with two minutes left, this is when it really got crazy because in the last two minutes of this game, we had 25 points scored combined by both teams, 221 yards of offense and three lead changes. It was one of the wildest finishes to a game that I have ever seen. Um, Josh Allen. Not just Allen, you, anybody. Yes, anybody. This was just a, an incredible football game. And let me tell you what, I was so impressed by Josh Allen in this game. How many quarterbacks can throw as well as he did? Just phenomenal performance throwing, just slinging it around with that cannon that he's got, com- converting on some crucial fourth downs, but also running the ball. This guy is a tank. Yes, he's fast. But he ran over a safety late in the fourth quarter, and they had they had to carry the guy off. How many NFL defenders have been injured by a quarterback? This dude is insane, and he has a really really bright future. So unfortunate he didn't wasn't able to get any farther this year. But Josh Allen, I think, is going to win a lot of football games in his future. Yes, it was an absolutely ridiculous game. Bills, Chiefs, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Box score, first quarter, 7-7. Second quarter, 7-7. Third quarter, 7-9 Chiefs. Fourth quarter, 15-13 Bills. And then, obviously, the Chiefs got it done in overtime. But it was literally tied, 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 tied. Yep. And, And it really was. Like I said, it was the last team with the ball that got the win because the Bills scored to take the lead. Um, with about no, the, the chiefs, the chiefs, yeah, the bills had taken the lead. The chiefs then retake the lead with, I think a minute and two seconds left. And then the bills came back and they retook the lead with 13 seconds left, which is clearly not enough time. If you're the Dallas Cowboys to run even one play, however, uh, it was plenty of time for the Kansas City Chiefs to run three plays and kick a was it a 52 yarder to get them into overtime? I don't know, something reasonable. It was it was a it was a good kick, but they they had put them in good position. And here's something that I want to say on that real quick: if you're the Bills and you have 13 seconds left, why don't you squib kick that thing? If you can squib kick that and take that clock down from 13 to eight. Mm-hmm. It may, it gets so much harder. I know the other side's got Patrick Mahomes, but he used all of that 13 seconds to get them into excellent position and then kick that game winner. And on another note, just like the Buccaneers somehow left Cooper Cup one-on-one at the end of the game, they somehow let Tyree Kill be wide open Yep. several times. I mean, and he was going all over them. He had 150 yards on 11 catches. Long 64. And towards the end of the game, when it was crunch time, the, the Bills, it was it was in that last 13 seconds, the Bills called timeouts. So they they allowed, the, the Chiefs called timeouts too, but um, they helped get Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey into position where they didn't have to sprint back to the line of scrimmage. They could catch their breath a little bit. So a little bit of coaching errors perhaps on the Bills side, perhaps game management is something that they can work on in the offseason. But ultimately it came down to just a really incredible offensive performance by two of the best quarterbacks in the game and maybe ever. 
uh, it, it'll be really interesting and fun to watch these two quarterbacks as their career continues to look like a great rivalry, perhaps to match the old uh, Brady Manning rivalry. And I will be honest, I I do not like the overtime rules in the NFL or in college. I think both of these leagues should just throw everything away and talk together about and come up with something fair for both teams. Like this game where offenses were high flying and were just going off, you knew whoever won that coin toss was going to win the game. You knew it. So I think I like in college that you score a touchdown, the other team gets an opportunity. It doesn't matter. Uh, but, and I don't like that in the NFL that touchdowns game over, but I don't like that they only go from the 25. I think this should just be like a regular quarter. If one team scores a touchdown, the other team should get an opportunity and should have an opportunity to score. If they don't score a touchdown, they lose. I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. I do think it was a really rough deal for Josh Allen to play an incredible game and get it into overtime and then not even get a chance to touch the ball. However, we said the same thing about Patrick Mahomes four years ago. It, uh, if, if there was a chance for the other team to get the ball, there's a chance that this game is still going on. I mean, the way these two teams were trading punches, we earlier this year we saw Penn State and Illinois go into, I think, ninth overtime. Something like that. It was insane. And if these two teams kept going back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, by the time it was all done, imagine if a Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Stefan Diggs, or even one of the quarterbacks had gotten injured during that time. Well, then they would probably wind up being an underdog to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it's it's really really hard. You don't want the. It's such a, a violent contact sport. You don't want to make it any longer than it already is. If if you're not able to win it in regulation, then sometimes it just has to come down to simply being a coin toss. And as and although That's... that does stink, it the Bills had a really really good defense this year. And yes, they were tired, but they did have a chance to stop them, and they didn't. And and essentially, it, it comes down to that. And it's just, I, my argument is that, like, you can't let one of these great playoff games of all time be decided by a coin toss. I know that, you know, the Bills could have stopped them, but the both offenses were rolling so much, they weren't going to be stopped, whoever won that coin toss was going to win the game and honestly I think this game should still be going on right now hmm. I understand you know you're putting your players at risk of injury but they signed up for this game for a reason yeah, you make a good point there's a reason they get paid so much money I'll I'll only push back on this last point you say that uh the Bills lost the game on a coin toss I'll say they lost the game when they decided to kick the ball out the back of the end zone with 13 seconds left. Could the Bills have won it on their own power? Yes. There's like, you know, there's always something you can point to, like this thing was not in their power. That's why they lost. I could say that with some of the 
dumb taunting penalties at the beginning of the Buccaneers game that the one on Sue could have cost them a touchdown there. And, you know, after, if you, that doesn't happen, you never know. But ultimately, there's always something one of the teams could have done better. But I think this, you know, there's – yes, the Bills could have done something better, but ultimately I just don't think it's fair to wind up losing that game like that. It's a game of inches, and this time it came down in favor of the Chiefs. Well, with that incredible weekend of football in the books, we can now look ahead to the conference championship matchups. Starting in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Luke, who you got? This is a, another really tough game. Kansas City is the obvious pick. They're, you know, better at all facets of the game. Uh, but the Bengals somehow were able to win with Burrow getting nine sacks. And I don't think the KC pass rush is as good as the Titan pass rush is. But ultimately, you know, Burrow can't throw it to Jamar Chase if he's on his back. I think the Chiefs will win this one. It really is interesting. It's another rematch game. The Bengals beat the Chiefs just a few weeks ago. And it's not like that was end-of-the-season junk that the Chiefs weren't playing for anything. They were playing for the number one overall seed and the bye, uh, which which didn't work out great for the two teams that got that this year. But the Chiefs could have used a little bit of rest, and they it would have been their third year in a row getting the number one overall seed. So that they, they had some pride to play for there, and the Chiefs really were trying to win that game. And the Bengals just outmatched them. And if I think if we're learning anything through this playoff series and the end of the regular season, it's you don't want to consistently consistently bet against Joe Burrow. He's a gamer and he's a talented gamer and he can sling the ball around and he can put the Bengals in position to get a win. But all that to say, looking back to the Bengals Titans game. Like we said earlier, they, they shut down the run game and said, Tannehill, beat us with your arm, and he did not. Um, but if they they can't I, – I don't think that the Bengals can shut down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and force the Chiefs to beat them with some of their other weapons. If they are, if they are able to shut down those two targets, they got a shot. I really think they do. But if, but if, I don't know, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that or not. Yeah. Obviously, games aren't won on paper. There's a reason they play them on the field. Yep. Otherwise, they just have the owners playing Madden against each yep. other. Have Nobody with would it, watch with that. the teams they assemble. <laughs> that might be kind of interesting to see old Jerry Jones. Oh, man. With the, with the headset. He'd probably have the best team and then would end up, would not throwing his remote through the world's fanciest yeah. TV in his stadium, that giant yeah. like four foot wide TV. Yeah. Yeah. But back to reality, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick the spread in this one, I think the Casey by a touchdown, I think I would take under that. I think the Bengals will keep it within a touchdown, but I think the Chiefs will win. Yeah, it really is I think it'll be I think it'll be a close game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Chiefs on this one. Looking at the NFC matchup again, another rematch game. 
and another game where the underdog was victorious the last time these two teams played. I think San Francisco won the series sweep over the Rams. I think they beat them two times, didn't they? I'm not so sure. I'm not sure about that one. Let me look that up quick. Yes, the Los Angeles Rams have been unable to beat the 49ers this year. They The Niners got the season sweep. But how much longer can Jimmy G keep making mistakes and continue with his, I would say, pretty average quarterback play and keep being carried by the rest of his team and special teams and defense and run game and Debo Samuel to just – get things taken care of business. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this game plays out. It's this is so hard because earlier Levi and I said that we thought any team could win the Super Bowl in this field of eight other than the 49ers. I still don't think they'll win the Super Bowl. I think they might win this game, but I don't think they'll beat whoever comes out of the AFC. And it's so hard to pick because I picked against the 49ers in both of their other games, and both times they ended up winning, so I'm not counting them out. But ultimately, it's going to take more than Debo Samuel. This Packers, The Packers' defense is better than the Rams' defense, so that's kind of crazy. So he might actually have a better game than he had last week. But this Rams' offense is probably better than the Packers offense, I would say. I think that's fair. And the way Matthew Stafford played against the Buccaneers, he played really well. And I think that the Rams will end up pulling this one out, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, it seems too like this game has the feeling of these teams being kind of new and, you know, but – before the before the Buccaneers last year, these are the last two teams to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it does seem like a long time ago that the that the 49ers were in the Super Bowl, but it wasn't that long. It was a lot of the same players. Um, and the same with the Rams. They were in there not that long ago either. And so this game is is a good game. They've got experience, they've got good playmakers, they've got quarterbacks that can be great, but can also make big mistakes. When it comes down to it, I like Matt Stafford. I think the Rams are going to win this game. I just feel really funny about this one, whoever I pick. I'm thinking like, okay, I'll pick the Rams. I just kind of feel funny about it. I'm like, but the 49ers might beat them. Like, it's just a weird feeling. But then I look at picking the 49ers, and I'm like, are they really going to beat the Rams? I mean, the Rams are better than them. Like, so either way, it just feels really weird to pick the other team. But I am going to stick with the Rams. 49ers, the underdog, I'll probably be cheering for them, honestly. It would be a great story to succeed going to the play, going to the Super Bowl in this loaded NFC conference mm-hmm. of Packers, Buccaneers, Rams, Cardinals, Cowboys. It really was. The NFC was really good this year. I didn't think these were going to be the last two teams playing for it. But, again, I think we'll have a close football game, but I think it's going to be the Rams. And you're picking the Rams, too? Yep. Agreed on both of them. Well, I would hate for us to be in agreement on everything. So, for the sake of ratings and our bottom line, 
I'm actually going to go back and pick the Bengals to upset the Chiefs. I won't be cheering that way. I do like the Chiefs, but I I think it's this Cincinnati's got the attitude of of why not us? Why not now? And I think that maybe, just maybe, we could see the Rams versus the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I think that'd be pretty fun. And I'll be rooting for Zach Taylor, who is my pick for Coach of the Year. Just throw that in, former Husker. I will be cheering for him and his Bengals against the Chiefs, but I don't think they'll get it done. Well, only time will tell. So stay tuned and watch these games. The Rams are playing the Niners Sunday, January 30th at 5.30 Central Time. And the Chiefs and Bengals is the game before that. So you can find that game on CBS at 2 o'clock Central. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But remember, God made you special and and he he loves loves you very very much. much. Bye.